Okay. Stop striving to gain God's approval. You're invited into his family, all right? Well. <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, all right. <laughs> you know, how, how are all you guys doing with all those exhausting plans and everything out there? What plans? <laughs> Scott's hiding, I know. <laughs> well, you know, the true heart of Christmas is really love. Because what is God? God is love. So, you know, God has some plans for us as well, doesn't he? Even though we've got all these plans and everything. And at just the right time, Jesus came into this world, and he came to free us from this crushing weight of the law <laughs> and sin itself. You know, we could never be good enough to earn our salvation, so Jesus lived this perfect life on our behalf. Why? Because of love. Because God loved us. God loved us so much that he wanted us to be a part of his family. So, out of love, he adopted us through the work of Jesus Christ. We're now sons and daughters of God. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus is our brother, and we can rest in the love of our Father. Isn't that great? We can rest in that, no matter what struggles we're going through. I needed that rest last night after a bunch of people at our house, I tell you. So let's pray together, can we? Gracious Father, thank you so much for sending your son to, to live a sinless life that we could experience eternal life with you, Lord. Thank you for loving the whole world, all of us, all of us, Lord. Thank you so much and making a way of salvation for all those who believe in you. May our hearts be turned to you this day, Father, and always, seeing the love that you share with us, and how brightly that love shines through the darkness of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, only a couple of weeks left, right, before we get together and celebrate Christ's birth on Christmas Eve and on Saturday, and then we get to have church again and celebrate him on Sunday, right? All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we have been kind of discovering the heart of Christmas. So often we get lost in all the gifts and, and decorations and parties and, oh man, we just miss that uh, true central focus that we need to be focused on for the gift of this Christmas season. You see, Jesus was born to bring the gifts of hope and peace and joy and love, which truly are the real reason for Christmas. They really are. The first week, a couple of weeks ago, we learned from Larry that uh, we're offered hope in the middle of all of our circumstances because of, our, of God's faithfulness to us. The second week, we looked at the wonderful gift of peace that, Je that Jesus' sacrifice makes available to us. We're made right with God, ourselves, and others because of Christ and his love for us. 
And next week, next week we're going to learn that joy is ours no matter what the circumstances are, because God dwells with us. For this week, I know we're going to going out of uh, order because normally this would be joy, but um, we're, we're working with it because Larry's going to come and give us joy next week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we're going to look at uh, really the theme of uh, within the scriptures that truly holds holds all of this together. At the heart of Christmas is truly the great love of God for each and every one of us. And let's be, let's be honest here. I want you to think about this. I know you guys have been through a lot of Christmases. And, uh, and as you prepare to celebrate this Christmas, you know, with friends and family and the things that are going on, you, you ever had this, and I'm sure you may have it this year, there's this, assuredly, this gift that you get, and you have to figure out how to respond to the person giving it uh, without hurting someone's feelings or looking really stupid. I, I want to offer you eight ways now to, to, to address those kind of gifts where you just kind of go, uh, okay. And, and if you want, you might want to take some notes here, you know, to just hear these things. Okay, so I'm starting with number eight. It's, you're getting a gift now that you're going, uh, I don't know what to do with this. And you might just go, number eight is, well, well now, there's a gift. Yeah. And number seven is, no. Really? I didn't know there was such a thing as a chia pet tie. Oh, wow, it even comes on a clip-on. <laughs> you know, I always wanted those things. Huh, jog my memory. What's it called again? Hmm. You know what? I'm going to find a special place for this. <laughs> Boy, you don't see that kind of craftsmanship every day, do you? And such an interesting color, isn't it? Well, yeah. And you say that was the last one, right? Last one. I'm so glad that you snapped that baby up. Yeah. <laughs> and the number one. You shouldn't have. No, no, really, I mean it. You really shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, okay? You're all set now. Hope, hope that prepares you for any and all those scenarios, you know? But today I, I want to talk to you about a gift, a gift you don't have to rehearse a response for. It's the greatest gift that has ever been given to us. And, and Christmas is a time in which we celebrate that it was presented to us. You see, when God sent his son to be born, it was an expression of his unfailing and relentless love for each and every one of us, for all of us. And understand this, his love is a gift that is thoughtful because it meets our greatest need. And he knew it, being freed from this sinful state that we live in. It's a gift that is priceless because it could never be purchased apart from Christ's blood. And it's a gift that is timeless because the grace of God is never ending, never ending. And above all else, at the heart of Christmas 
is love because God is love, right? So friends, God's gift was right on time. It was. You know, you ever received that present uh, uh, from someone and you just couldn't hardly believe, no, this isn't the ones you're making excuses for, but uh, you just couldn't hardly believe how perfect the timing was to receive this gift. You know, maybe it was because something you were going through and, and, and this was just something that met that need that you're in right at that time. It was like, it's like this giver just knew exactly what your heart needed and what it wanted. Those are amazing times, aren't they? You know, the book of Galatians talks about the timing of Christmas as Paul wrote to the church in Galatians. We hear in Galatians 4, 4 and 5 this, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You know, from the moment that creation was broken by sin, God began his plan to restore and rescue all that he had made. The Bible is this account of all of his divine efforts and his faithfulness to, to reverse the effects of that fall. Motivated by love, God partners with those who love and trust him the most to enact the greatest rescue plan in history. Paul wrote that when Jesus came and, and was born to Mary, the fullness of time had come. And it was right, the right moment in history. It was perfect because God planned it to send his son to make a way for the world to be restored. Because of love, because of love, God was not content to just sit back and watch his creation suffer forever. That isn't the kind of God that we worship. He went to great lengths to be with us and to make us a part of his family once again. Reminds me of a story that was on Facebook post I was told about recently. Um, I was told about, you know, I was riding around with Russell and his wife, Rachel, from Texas this week and kind of related this to me as we were talking about this. It says, Tracy Howell of Leonard, Texas, which is where Russell and Rachel are from, found a unique way of showing her husband both her love and fellowship in his daily life. On December 1st, 2020, she shared the following on Facebook post, which has since racked up hundreds of thousands of shares. She said, Clifford, Clifford and I have been married for almost 41 years, and I've made his lunch every working day since day one. On occasion, I'd join him on the job site and have lunch with him. He made the comment once that lunch tasted so much better when you share it with someone you love. Soon after that, while fixing his sandwich one night, I took a bite out of it before putting it away. (laughs) When he got home that next day, long before cell phones and all that, you know, he commented that someone took a bite out of his sandwich. I told him that since I couldn't join him for lunch that day, I took a bite, so, I, so he knew that I was joining him. I continued to do this frequently, unless, she said, unless it's tuna or pimento cheese. And he still says, I saw you join me today for lunch. Sure was good. 
Tracy wanted her husband to know she wasn't just thinking of him, but she's actually joining him in his daily experiences. And she, she was still with him. She's taken a bite out of whatever struggles and hardships, you know, he encounters. You see, friends, that's exactly what Jesus does for us every day. Because he is with us even when we don't see him. That's the love that he shares with us. What, may be most, what is maybe most amazing is that when Jesus came, he came to meet us exactly right here, right where we are. Right where we are. He was born under the law of God in order to redeem mankind from the regulations of the law. In, in doing so, his perfect life met the, met the requirements that the law demanded. You see, where we fail, Jesus is successful. And we can always hold on to that. Where we fail, Jesus is successful. And my friends, then we're loved into the family. We're loved into the family. According to Galatians 4, the full expression of God's love is demonstrated in our spiritual adoption into his family. We became children of God and brothers and sisters to Christ. We're, we're given the privilege, all the privileges of being sons and daughters with God our Father. The late pastor J.J. Packer wrote about an incredible expression of love that came to us at Christmas. He said, Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for God, God the Father, is even greater. Wow. We loved and cared for him like a father. Many of us live our lives every day missing the fact that God loves us. When we miss the fact that we have been adopted into this family, we have a hard time loving, even loving ourselves, don't we, at times. In turn, we have a hard time loving others as well. Uh, you know, who are, they are valued valued treasures by God himself too. The reason this aspect of Christmas should not ever be missed or avoided, this point of love, is because it is central to us living the full lives that God wants us to live, friends. Love. God is love. Remember that. Always remember that. Paul tells us about all of the benefits of being in God's family and, and being recipients of his love in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption. Does that work now? Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Scott, for bringing me back to life. I've been resurrected. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
In him you also, after listening to the message of faith, truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You see, as a part of God's family, we are made blameless in God's sight. Our sins are washed away by his love, what he did for us. God's will and the way we're made known, God's will and the way we are made known as, to us as Father, my, where is this child? We're chosen to receive hope and salvation. He's given that to us. We're marked with a seal to ensure that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and will inherit eternal life as one of God's precious possessions. All of this is only made possible, only made possible by the arrival of Jesus just at the right time, just at the right time for us to one day sacrificially give his life on the cross to validate God's amazing love for us. That's what he did. You see, his love is freely given and it's freely received. The, the reason love has to be at the heart of Christmas is because if we miss love being the central message of this season, then in the midst of all the lights and the presents and the parties and whatever, we may never understand it or even receive it for ourselves if we don't see that love. What is maybe the tragic most tragic about this oversight is that we often kind of give, we, we feel like we're giving out a love that we perceive to be love in our own nature. We think, oh yeah, I love you, so here you go. Here's a basketball or whatever, you know. You think, what do I do with this again? Go back to those eight, you know. But, uh, however, if we haven't experienced the grace of God and his amazing love, it's difficult then for us to offer his true grace and love to others. Open your hearts to him, friends. I, I, if we don't know the compassion of God, if we don't know his true feeling for us, it's difficult for us to express that, in, that compassion of God. But when we recognize the kind of love that God has for us, wow, it becomes the way that we treat others around us in our life. And that's what God's looking for, how we treat others. And I'm going to get into something here that most of you know really well, but I want to go through this and help you see it a little bit. Most famous of all probably passages in the Bible about love helps us understand God's feelings towards us and all the ways we should feel about our spouse, our friends, our children, our neighbors, that person at the grocery store, whatever it may be. You'll recognize this. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, 
but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part, we get this, I want you to get this now. We know only in part right now what's going on. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. Sometimes we don't see everything about ourselves, do we? But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. We can get caught up in all kinds of things, can't we? Even good things, good things. You've heard me say this before. And, and, and we miss the whole point of it if love isn't our motivating factor for what we're doing. Love, like we have been given from God, should cause us to be patient and kind to each other. It should cause us to avoid being envious of one another or proud. Love drives us to honor others and to keep a cool head. Hmm. Love is present when we avoid evil and rejoice with good. Does this sound like the love that you receive from God? Doesn't it? Does it sound like the love you display in your own life every day? I came up, there were some things I came up with and found. Uh, listen to the way this passage might possibly sound during the Christmas season here. <laughs> if I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strings of twinkling lights, and shiny ornaments, but do not have love, I'm just another decorator. If I work hard in the kitchen, baking Christmas cookies and preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work in a soup kitchen, carol in the nursing homes, and give all that I have to charity but do not love, it doesn't do anything. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes and attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I've missed the whole point. 
You see, love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind even when hurried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love does not tell the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they're there in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Here are some questions. I, I want you to, last week, I know we put them in the bulletin. And maybe you want to write these down, but I want you to think about these this week as you go through this week of preparing for Christmas and all the things that are going on. Discuss these with your friends and families. They're also a great way to engage anybody online that you have, that friends or family. So here's some questions for you. What kind of effect should God's love have on us? What kind of effect should God's love have on us? Why do you think Paul uses the imagery of a family to communicate how God feels about you? Why does he use that family ideal to tell you how he feels about you? What benefit of being in God's family that is listed in Ephesians 1 through 14 is most exciting and encouraging to you? Remember that, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And why? Why is that most encouraging to you? And the last one, what is one practical way to share God's love with someone else this week? How can you do that? How can you share that love with someone else this week that he's shown you? You see, toys will break. <laughs> Pearl necklaces can get lost. Golf clubs can even rust, I know. But giving the gift of love will endure forever, forever and ever. So this Christmas, look upon the arrival of Jesus as the ultimate gift from God. The kind of gift where the only proper response is to just simply receive it. Take it in. His love. And may that love you receive in your heart cause you to live it out every day, everything you do, every day of the year, not just tomorrow or this week, so that others around you will know you are his child. You're in his family. And they will want to be part of that family. Live that love and share it. Blessings, my friends, this week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come before you just so grateful, Father, for the love that you share to us, that you've given us throughout all history, and that you continue to share with us, Lord. May your heart be our heart. May your will be our will 
And may we live that way, Father, so that others will know the glory of your kingdom, Father. And we say this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.